Good evening. How are you doing? You're blessed. You're blessed coming in. You're going to be blessed as you go back out. Amen. Well, I have an assignment tonight. My assignment is to continue to talk about our walk of faith. And my particular assignment is the Lord gave me as I've been praying about it. He told me to deal with doubt, the enemy of faith. But before we get to doubt, I want to reestablish a couple of things in you and I so that we can be fixed in place. Uh, you know, the, the word declares to us very openly and very clearly in Romans chapter 12 and verse number three. You don't have to turn there. The very last part of that verse of scripture, it says, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Everybody say the. The. Not a, but the. The the measure of faith means that you have whatever is necessary in your faith walk, in your faith life, to accomplish anything that needs to be accomplished. There's not anything that you're lacking because he gave you all of the necessary ability within your life. Whenever you accepted him as your personal savior, you ignited that relationship between you and the Lord to walk in faith. In Habakkuk, Chapter number, uh, chapter two and verse four, Romans one seventeen, Galatians three eleven, and Hebrews ten thirty eight says, "The just shall do what? They shall live by faith." Now in Habakkuk, it's a little bit different. It says, "The just shall live by his faith." Now, how many of you know who his faith is? Jesus. Everything is wrapped up, tied up, tangled up in Jesus. Without him, we can do nothing. But thanks be to God, he accomplished everything for us so that we can walk the life of faith. We can live the life of faith. Look at your neighbor and say, I can live the life of faith. Amen. Look at your other neighbor and say, I can live the life of faith. Amen. Now, I want to read to you. Out of Hebrews chapter 11, you can turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 and verse 6. And we want to talk about this just for a few minutes before I get into talking about the enemy of your faith walk and my faith walk in life. You and I have to face the reality and the fact that we have a life of challenge. God never said it was going to be pie in the sky here just because you become a Christian. How many of you noticed that when you became a Christian, things seemed to get uh, a little bit more amplified? You know what? I never had a problem with the devil. Never had a problem with the devil before I got born again. He never, ever, 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 ever told me I was lost. Never. Never told me I was lost. But when I got born again, he kept telling me, you didn't really mean it. You didn't really do it. You didn't really get it. You're not really born again. You don't act like you're born again. Well, certainly I didn't act like I was born again. I just got born again. How many of you know you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? But he never told me I was lost. He never told me I was bound. He never told me any of those things. It was the Lord that told me those things. And I'll tell you what, it's been a, it's been a fight, but how many of you know the, it's a good fight. It's a good fight of faith. You know why? Because we have already won. We're not going to win. We have already won. 
Jesus won it for us. So we're, we're living in that life. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, it says, Now faith is the substance of the things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance. Faith is made up of two elements. Those two elements are substance and evidence. And they are motivated by the spark called hope. Hope is the spark to the flame of faith. Spark, it sparks it. And hope is your vision, your dream, and your desire. What is your vision? Without a vision, the people perish. So the Lord gave us faith so that it could be ignited with hope to bring it to pass. So now faith is the substance. We could, we could just say now faith is and just stop right there and preach for a long time. Because when you start talking about now faith is, faith is not just going to be. Faith just is. It always is. It is past, it is present, and it is future. You cannot lose the measure of faith that God has given to you unless you let it go. You can, it can be detoured. It can be uh, cause uh, something to, to come up that would take you off of the track that you were going on to get to your determined destination. But if you will stay in faith, if you will come back to faith, if you will come back to that which God has uh, impregnated into you and caused you to be a faith person, a person that can live by faith. It ought to become natural for you and I to just simply live by faith. It's not something we have to work at. It's not something that, that, is, uh, uh, that, that we have to do so many repentance, so many prayers and everything else. Faith is just a way of life for you as a Christian. There is no quit in faith. There is no stop. There's no, I'm going to slack off. You just can't do that because when you do that, you hinder what God wants to do. You stop your vision. You stop your dream. You, you stop your desires when you do that. So God gave us faith so that we could enjoy the fullness of what he's done for us. He's given us everything that pertains to life. And he's given us everything that pertains to godliness. So I can live a godly life. And I can enjoy my life. I'm supposed to enjoy this life on earth. As it is in heaven, so shall it be on earth. And that word earth there does not just mean planet earth. It means this earthen vessel. I can enjoy being in health. I can enjoy being at peace. I can enjoy being in victory all the time. I don't have to be in despair and all of those other things. Unless... I don't take heed to what he's already given to me. He's given me the opportunity to live a life that shows to mankind that God is real. He is real. He is living. He's moving. He's having his being in you and in me. Now, pastor was just talking about revival. Do you realize that God is setting us up for the greatest move of the Spirit of God that the earth has ever known. 
The earth has never known what's about to transpire and take place. They don't know. It's because it's never happened. Because it is the latter and it is the former colliding together. And it is going to be the greatest move on this planet called earth. And this world is being set up for it. He said the world was going to wax worse and worse. But the church is not. The church is going to get on fire. She's going to get burning with the spirit of the living God. And she is going to be used like she has never been used before. We have to prepare ourselves for it because it is on the horizon. And I don't mean like a, a number of years away. It's already in progress right now. A number of uh, probably months ago, I shared with you that there are hot pockets that are going on across this country. And that you just happen to be right in the smack dab middle of one of the hot pockets. This church happens to be. Now, I was an outsider coming in to this church. And as I came into this church, I told Diane, I said, well, we, we knew it was a hot pocket before we ever got here. That's the reason we came was we used to come here whenever we'd come and see our daughter. And this was the church we came to. So when we moved here, we knew exactly where our home church was. We didn't have to go look around, see if there's any other churches available or anything else. This was it because something's going on here in the spirit that you may not see it, but it is going on in the spirit and God is doing something big and we have to get prepared. We have to start anticipating and expecting God to really do something. The blind are going to see, the deaf are going to hear, the dumb are going to speak, the lame are going to walk, the diseased are going to walk in, and the disease is going to leave. The sick will walk in the doors. They won't even have hands laid on them. They'll walk in the door and they'll just get healed because the atmosphere of God is in the house. And God wants to do something big through us. And so our faith level has to be at a place where God really can use because we are expecting something. Every time you come to church, you need to be expecting God to do something. It shouldn't be the unusual for you to see the blind eyes opened up. That's the norm for you and I. He said it would be produce substance and evidence. It will bring the substance that we need, which is the healing virtues of the Lord, the delivering virtues of the Lord, and every other necessary thing that we need, love and peace and joy and temperance and meekness and long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, and faithfulness. He will cause all of those things to rise up in us to overflow. Did you know the only thing that we have the right to do, we don't have the right to judge any person. But we do have the right to check their fruit. We are fruit inspectors. We have the right to inspect the fruit and receive that which is coming from that vessel. We're not all at the same place. We're not all at the same level. But that doesn't matter. What matters is that we love one another. That's what faith does. Because faith worketh. What? By love. It works by love. God is love. He's not 
an emotion called love. He is love. If he is love, I am love. Because he and I are one. Jesus said, me and the Father, we're one. You see me, you see the Father. He said, I'm only doing the things I've seen my Father do, and I'm o- I only hear the things I've heard my Father say. He said, now faith is. And I've got the measure that's necessary, Pastor. This whole congregation in here, if you're born again, you have the measure that is necessary to do whatever needs to be done. I can't is no longer a part of your vocabulary because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. How about you? Then he goes on and say in verse six, he says, without faith, without faith, it is impossible. Say it with me. Without faith, it is impossible to do what? To do what? To do what? It's impossible to please him. So he saw to it that Jesus would give you the faith that he established for you. He's the author of it and he's the finisher of it. He authored it. He will finish it. He did finish it. When he said it is finished, it was finished. It's done. And so the faith that you have is the faith that can move any mountain. And a mountain is any obstacle that stands in your way. Any obstacle. There's only one thing that hinders it. Doubt. Doubt. I'll prove that to you in just a second. Hebrews 13.8. Turn there. While you're turning there, I'm going to just quote to you out of Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12. Still talking about faith. We have substance, we have evidence, and then we have hope which ignites it. This is what it says. Hope deferred maketh heart sick. Hope deferred. What does the word deferred mean in the Hebrew? You could probably think about a lot of things. I'm glad that you asked me, so I'm going to give it to you. It means to prolong. It means to delay, which I've already said to you. And it means to remove. Now, how many of you want to remove your financial victory? How many of you want to remove your healing? How many of you want to stay sick? How many of you want to be sick? How many of you want the coronavirus? Well, there's one thing that will keep you from getting the coronavirus. His name is J-E-S-U-S. He is the healer. Not only is he the healer, he's the sustainer. Not only is he the sustainer, he's also made provision for protection. Every angel that is necessary is in garrison round about you to protect you in all of your goings. 
All you have to do is lay claim on what's already rightfully yours. We're really big on our rights in this country called the United States of America. Everybody wants their rights. Well, how about the Christian? How about all of our rights according to the will and the word of God? He said, beloved, to wish above all things that you want. Prosper. Prosper. If you want to take that a step further, I will make you rich. That's another rendering. I will make you rich. Pastor Justin just said uh, one the other day, he said, whatever things that you ask in my name, that will I do. It also means, also means if, if it doesn't exist, I will make it for you. Because he's the God that said, let there be light. And there just was light. You don't have a problem with the sun and the moon, do you? Did you know that God put that out there? He put that out there for you. So that you could enjoy. He made all the stars. He made, he made every tree that is out there. Every animal that is out there. He's the one that separated the land from the water. And he just did it with his word. And you know what? He never doubted one time. Not one time did he doubt what he said would not come to pass. And when he said... He called you to be victorious. There's not one doubt in his mind that you will not be victorious. He said he made you to be more than conquerors. You'll always triumph in the Lord. I don't care what it looks like in the natural. I don't care what people say. I don't care what doctors say. It doesn't make any difference. God has the last say so and his word is truth. Amen. Titus 1 and 2. Hebrews 6 and 18 says God cannot lie. He just cannot lie. There's just some things God cannot do. And one of them is he cannot lie. And the other one is, is he can't make you believe it. Well, pastor, you said it. I believe it. Well, the next time you come up against an obstacle or I come up against an obstacle, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to, I should do what he told me to do. If I know what he told me to do, then that's what I should do. It always amazes me. Hope I don't step on anybody's feet, but maybe I will. I am a pastor and, uh, I didn't ever have a problem with confrontation. I still don't have a problem with confrontation today. Confrontation is good because it'll help you to mature and grow. Some people have a hard time with people confronting them. It depends on how you confront them. If you confront them in love the way that we should, not to belittle and to tear down, but to confront people in love then we can get the results that we need. And hopefully they will receive what's being said. The Lord says, whom the Lord loveth, he does what to them? He chases them, chastens them. Uh, It means to put the spiritual rod to the backside. It's really what it means. He gives you a good weapon to wake you up into reality of who God is and what he's done for you. Shame on us 
for letting the devil run over our lives. Shame on us. I'm preaching good now. I don't know why you're not amening. Where was I at? Hebrews 13. Thank you. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, 8. He is the same past, present, and future. He's not going to change. Now the world is changing, but the world, but the world does not understand the heavenly kingdom. I'm of a different kingdom. I may be in this planet, but I'm seated in heavenly places. That's where I'm seated. That's where you're seated. Seated in heavenly places. I should have a heavenly mindset. So he is the same. What he did yesterday, he's doing today, and he'll do it again tomorrow. Because he's consistently the same. He honors his word, and his word never changes. Isn't that good news? I'm so thankful that his word does not change. I'm the one that needs to change. And I say all the time, I need to stay open. I need to stay teachable. And I need to be subject to change. Because if I'm not open, then I don't get taught. And I don't get revelation knowledge. And it certainly is not going to allow me to bring change to my life. That's the only way that I'm going to get what I need for what I'm about to share with you concerning doubt. He says in Luke chapter 18, verse 27, it says, And he said, the things which are impossible with men, they're possible with God. How many of you believe that? Do you really believe that God can do anything? Now, I've already told you some things he can't do. He can't make you do diddly. He can't make you believe him. He can't make you believe the word. You can fuss over it. You can fight over it. You can cry over it. It's not going to change him. Because he's the Lord God. He changes not. Still loves you. But he will stand and watch you. Go through defeat if you refuse to access and do what he said. Everything in your life is subject to change. Everything. There's not anything that is not subject to change if you will allow yourself to receive what his word says. He can do the impossible for you. He proved himself over and over by the things that he did. And you know the stories. I'm going to give you some examples in a few minutes about those that are operating in doubt. But now I want to give you a definition. I got this out of the Webster's Dictionary a number of years ago. I like Webster's the best, so I I took it. This is the definition of doubt according to Webster. Number one, fear. 
I could have stopped right there and not read another one. His number one definition for doubt was fear. So fear has another name. Doubt. Unbelief. Staggering. Wavering. He told us not to waver. He told us not to stagger according to his will and his word. So the first one was fear. Number two, to be uncertain about something. To be uncertain about something. Number three, to lack confidence in. Number four, I like this one too. Distrust. Should I say this? (laughs) I believe I will. When I say to the Lord, why or how come? Why or how come? I know that those are honest things that we say. And we mean it honestly. But when I say why and how come, all he has to say to me is, I told you, son, that in my word, thus and so and thus and so. The why and the how come is you don't trust me. Because if you trust me, then you wouldn't be saying why. And how come? Does that make sense to you? I know I said it. And I know my heart when I said it. And I know God knew my heart when I said it. But it doesn't change the word. If the word says a certain thing, then that's what it means. And it means what it says. It says lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. My job is to get my hands on them and it's his job to bring it to pass. I'm not the healer. He's the healer, but I'm the vessel. I'm the conduit, which he flows through to touch people's lives. I'm the conduit and so are you. Are you still with me? In the Bible, Galatians 6 and 9, you don't have to turn there. It says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, but in due season we shall reap if we faint not. If we faint not. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't let go. Don't listen to every report. Don't ignore every report. You know, some things are reality and they're fact. You know, we're not Christian science. Christian science looks at something and says it doesn't exist. But yet it does exist. What faith says, I see it, it exists, it has a name, and it's subject to the name of Jesus. And it doesn't make any difference what it is. Amen. Amen. Your sister went to 
to the doctors, got all kinds of negative reports and everything else. But the report of the Lord says, by his stripes, she was the healed. And y'all kept saying it. She kept going to the doctors and the doctors kept saying. And then they got a surprise. The word works. Because you worked the word. You work the word, the word works. Every time. That's my God. Every time. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Every time. Every time. Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together? Except they be agreed. That's Amos 3.3. 3. How, can, how can anybody with someone else walk together except they be in agreement? If we want the right kind of results, we have to get in accordance and into the plan that God has. And that's to be in agreement with God. Matthew chapter 12. Turn there if you would please. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 through 30. I'm still on the first page. I don't know if we're going to get all the way through this. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to what? Desolation. Every city or house divided against itself, shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebub he cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God... Then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me. That's the reason. Heritage of faith. Your name has has laid the course for your existence as a church. Your life is based upon the faith walk. What it means to walk with God and Him to walk with you. Jesus restored back to this planet called earth everything that Adam lost in the garden. One of the things that he lost in the garden was he did not have open communication with God himself anymore. They did not walk hand in hand anymore. But Jesus restored it back. Jesus restored it back and he said, now, I want my people to walk with me and I'll walk with them. I want them to talk with me and I'll talk with them. You and I cannot be divided in the sense of what God has already established and said concerning 
who we are and what we possess in him. Now, we can only get it as revelation knowledge as we grow and mature in the things of the Lord, as we exercise our faith and our trust and belief in who he is and what he possesses. You know, you, you did something supernatural whenever you accepted Jesus Christ as your first personal Savior. Number one, you weren't there when he was crucified. Number two, you never met him. You didn't know him personally. You didn't see him crucified. You didn't see him whipped. You didn't see him perform the miracles. You didn't, you didn't see him do anything. You're over 2,000 years later, but yet you still believe. You exercise something that he gave you in your mother's womb, and it was called faith. And whenever you reached out to him, it says, by grace are you saved through faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It was already there. All it needed was to be ignited. Hope gave you something, it ignited you. I've heard pastors say it over and over and over in his testimony. One day he finally got down and he got on his knees before the Lord and he said, the Lord told him to say, I love you, Lord. And all he did was reach out in faith that had not been ignited yet. But as soon as he opened his mouth and said, I love you, He ignited that faith in him and that faith has gone from where he was to where he is today. He stepped out on something he didn't even know, just like you did. And a lot of people think you're absolutely nuts. Thank you. But I'll tell you something else. We don't doubt it. When we watch the Dallas Cowboys play. With a pigskin that flies through the air. With the greatest of ease. And we expect and anticipate. That on the other end of that is going to be another cowboy. Unless you're not a cowboy fan. The church I pastored, I have to tell you this, the church that I pastored for 28 years in Massachusetts, I went there and it was, we'd been there for probably about two years. We'd just uh, gotten into a, a new facility and, and the church was growing and everything else. And, and uh, Super Bowl Sunday came up and the Dallas Cowboys were playing in the Super Bowl that year. I don't even remember what year it is now. Had to be in the 90s. That, that far back. Anyway, I got up that Sunday morning and we always, before service started and everything else, I greeted the people and then we would open up with intercessory prayer and, and uh, we would handle some, some things before we actually started our service and everything else. So I got up and we did that and, and uh, I said, just keep standing. Uh, no, I, I told him, I want you to sit down. I don't even remember why I told him to sit down. I told him to sit down. And then all of a sudden, this, this uh, thing came across my brain that Super Bowl Sunday was today. So I had them stand back up. I said, please stand back up again. I forgot one prayer. And they all stood up in my congregation and uh, in all sincerity, being respectful to the pastor. 
and everything else. They stood up and I said, today is Super Bowl Sunday and I want us to pray for the Cowboys. Every person in the congregation sat down. You're talking about mutiny. I mean, every person, including my wife. She's not a football fan. So everybody else sat down, so she sits down. Everybody is seated. And I said, well, I'm praying anyway. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. You're supposed to follow your leader. You're being disrespectful to the leadership here. You've hurt my feelings. I think we better finish here. (laughs) Hallelujah. Go with me if you would in your Bible. I finally got to my text. Thank you for being patient. Pastor, if you'll let me preach again sometime, I'll finish this up. Mark chapter 11. You all know this portion of Scripture. Let's begin in verse number 22. He said, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Then he shall have whatsoever he saith. Do you believe that? What was the problem? He said the potential problem is, is don't doubt in your heart. Don't get captivated by the obstacle in the way. Speak to that. Don't let fear grip you. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, did he? But he gave you power. He gave you love and he gave you a sound mind. Amen. Now, I want to make another statement. Don't ever forget, God gave you a brain. Please use it. He also talked about uh, wisdom being a principal thing. He wants you to use the wisdom that God has given to you and He doesn't necessarily want you to focus on everybody else. Walk your walk. Talk your talk. Learn how to discipline yourself. Some people have already, I've already heard this statement. Some people say, well, if people, they're, they're afraid to come in here and wear a mask because of what people might think. Who gives a flip what they think? Amen. Who cares? Why do, we, why do we place the importance upon what everybody else thinks? You need to go according to what you feel in your heart. Amen. Amen. That mask is not going to stop faith from moving. And a lack of one is not going to stop faith from moving. So the mask has nothing to do with your faith walk. Neither do the glasses that you have on your eyes. All they do is treat a symptom. And that symptom is subject to change. 
Neither does anything else. If you came in in a wheelchair, some people won't come to church because they're in a wheelchair. How sad. We ought to help get them out of the wheelchair. Amen. That's our job. Yeah, I'm preaching now. <laughs> and that's not, that is not our pastor's heart. That is, that is not our apostle's heart. I've heard their heart. Man, they want you to be comfortable. They just love you. They want you to come and feel comfortable. They want you to be at peace. They want you to be in victory. It's so that you can come and get the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You need to sit underneath the anointing at the spout where the glory of God's coming out. You need to get around anointed people that can preach and teach and minister the word of faith to you so that you can rise up and you can take on the challenges that you are faced with in your own personal life. And don't be concerned about what other people think. But don't criticize them if they say something negative. Don't criticize them. Let God deal with them. Amen? Let me, let, let me finish with this, this part of it. Verse number 24. Because he didn't stop there. He said, therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire. Remember, we have two elements. We have substance. We have evidence. And then we have something called a spark that ignites the flame of faith. Faith has to have this spark. And it's hope. He goes on and he says, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things that you desire, vision, dream, desire. That's hope. Whatsoever things that you are hoping for. He said, do what? He said, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Now, I want to ask you a question. What does this scripture say that you have? Now, what does it say? Ask the question again. Maybe you didn't understand it. What does this particular scripture say that you have? No. It says you have what you believe you receive. Whatsoever things you desire, that's what initiates your faith. Your faith is ignited and it turns into a flame and the faith produces for you what you've believed. When you got down on your knees and you said, Lord, come into my heart. I believe in your death, your burial, your resurrection, shedding of blood for remission of sin. What did he do? He, he lit you up. He lit you up. Man, he, he changed that old man into a heart of flesh. That old stony heart that you had, he made it a heart of flesh. He ignited you and put you on the course to the flame of faith, the faith walk. The only thing that can keep you from enjoying this faith walk is doubt, fear, and unbelief. That's it. That's it. Nothing else. 
You know, this gospel is, is, is not hard. I think preachers have made it very hard. Hard to understand. I hope I didn't say anything that was hard for you to understand except for that last verse of scripture. But I want you to get it because it's not your desire that you get. It's what you believed you received. The desire is just the, the aspect of your life that is removing an obstacle or a mountain out of your way. Your belief system has to be founded on what Jesus Christ has accomplished for you. And he's finished it. It's a done deal. Amen. Praise God. Pastor.